Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I come to work with two hands every day and I'm trying to bless somebody. We better be in Florida. It better be sunny. And there better be some sort of fruity drink involved. With Matt Harmon. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so. <laughs> Thank you. Someone clip that. You can get on a podcast. You can get online. You can argue with the clouds. You can argue with the, with the Russian bots. Don't care. It's Monday, November 7th, and oh man, what a Sunday of action we have to go through today. You know, all those teams on by, um, only like 10 games to talk about. It was actually kind of nice. I know they weren't the, the most enjoyable of contests to watch, but I really enjoyed just having two games in the second window because you could really dial in on, on those two games. Now, again, I wish they were a nicer game, but yeah, whatever. It is what it is. Here to recap all of the strange, uh, I called it a mysterious week. Here to recap this very mysterious week is the great Scott Pianowski. Scott, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Not much. You know, week nine, what did we get? Um, Best quarterback fantasy performance of the year. Best running back fantasy performance of the year and a half, no less. So six teams may not have played, but so, so many of the players on the field were putting up points today. Not you, Aaron Rodgers. Not you, Matthew Stafford. But w- whatever, we'll, we'll try to sort through it. I mean, we um, we saw some exciting stuff today. I I had a bounce in my step. I was worried that today was going to be like kind of a lost day, and I don't think it was anything like that at all. I think this was actually a pretty good fantasy day. Hell yeah, it was a fun uh, fantasy day for sure. We've got two fun fantasy weeks in a row here, so things are starting to look in the right direction. Maybe we're just now figuring out like who we can count on and who we can kind of put to the side at this point. One of those teams that we can count on is certainly the Miami Dolphins. They pull out a win 35 to 32 against the Chicago Bears. And weirdly, Scott, it feels like um, the Dolphins win the game. And from a fantasy angle, they might be the second biggest story coming out of this one. Yeah, Justin Fields, uh, 178 rushing yards, which is a, a regular season record for a quarterback. Move move over Michael Vick. Uh, the only person who's ever done better is Colin Kaepernick in a playoff game. And uh, you know, four touchdowns. I know they didn't have a lot of yards per attempt and all that, but they're doing so much fun stuff with play action and with designed runs. Obviously, the the long touchdown run Fields had was a broken play, but they're starting to get Mooney involved. They're starting to get Cole Komet involved, and obviously, we're looking for any tight end production we can get. Chase Claypool you know, was on the field, you know, drew a pass interference call. Maybe should have had a second one late in this game. Here's the bottom line. Okay, it's been such an ugly year for quarterback play, old quarterback play, young quarterback play, 
And there's light at the end of the tunnel with Justin Fields. They're learning what to do with him. They added a receiver for him. And he's an unbelievable athlete. And he, he's putting up – he's he's got to the point now. I'm not even fielding Justin Fields' questions anymore. People don't ask me now. They know to start this guy. And he's got Mooney back at the circle of trust. He's got a tight end. Maybe we can play. Of course, it came to some degree to the expense of the running backs. On the other side, Tua was really crisp, uh, made good decisions. And they have such a condensed usage tree, right? I mean, Tyreek Hill could be the receiver one. He's at least top three or top four, depending on how you feel about some other guys. Jalen Waddle is just a terrific football player. Both of the running backs score touchdowns. It looks like they're going to be a two-headed backfield, but whatever. They're going to have value. They don't really want to use Mike Kosicki very much. His Under his prop was like a gift, early Christmas shopping, Black Friday gift for you. But Miami just basically disperses the ball to two main guys and a couple of running backs will get some scraps. And Fields is playing so well right now that I, I Chicago's gone from a team that I didn't want to rewatch any of their games two months ago or six weeks ago to this was like this was my primary watch. I feel like I watched every snap of this game because it was just so freaking fun. I have no idea, Scott, if it has anything to do with this, but it really feels like after Ryan Fitzpatrick and the rest of the TNF crew kind of laid into Luke Getze in a way that you don't hear many like player, former, even just all, all straight up former players, like kind of lay into a coach like that in a broadcast. You, like after the game was over, they really called out the fact that they were having Justin Fields basically be a, a drop back passer. They were doing nothing to kind of take advantage of his mobility. They were doing nothing to get him on the move. Just, you know, all stuff that people have been saying about Justin Fields, basically since he got to Chicago with the last staff, I have no idea if it has anything to do with that, but basically since that week six loss, these last three games, Justin Fields is eighth in the NFL in EPA per drop back. Uh, he's fourth among all players in rushing yards period uh, right now. He's just running away. Of course, with like, scrambles stuff like that they've designed a ton of rushes 182 yards on scrambles alone in the last three games like it feels as if this was an inflection point for their season where again I have no idea if like Luke Getzey suddenly is like oh wow Ryan Fitzpatrick great points let me redesign the offense but they absolutely have redesigned the offense to the point that they are doing like things to make like the what makes Justin Fields great they're doing things to make the, sure that those are accentuated. They're doing things to make him comfortable within the offense. And other guys are starting to shine now as well. To, yeah, the point that I agree with you, not only is Justin Fields squarely uh, in QB1 territory, like now we can start to really consider guys like Mooney and maybe even Cole Komet, like, like you mentioned. And that's a that's a godsend because, Scott, I remember talking with you in the preseason that for, that one Browns game, you know, and how that was a, and kind of an exciting showing for Justin Fields. And, oh, wow, are they really going to make this offense look good around him? Because we like Darnell Mooney. Like Cole Komet, you know, might have something to tight end. And I, I don't know. I, I, I'm really, really encouraged not just for – not just for Justin Fields this year, but his future in the league. Cause there were certainly times over the last like year and a half with, with the bears where I thought, man, are they really going to mess this up with Justin Fields? And now it apparently feels like, no, they are not They're They're not only going to not mess it up. They're actually doing things right now to accentuate the things that he does well. And my God, I mean, he is, he is really a special athlete and it, it, we need as many good young quarterbacks in the NFL right now with all these guys aging out. And we absolutely feel like we've got one here with Justin Fields. It's just so nice to be able to talk about a quarterback positively and talk about a scheme fitting a player's talent and just a major cosign to everything you said. And it's you know, Mooney was somebody who I drafted proactively and 
I, I was really close to cutting Darnell Mooney in some leagues, and I'm glad that I didn't. Not not that he's going to win your league for you, but he's certainly back in the wide receiver three circle of trust. He may even be like a lower end wide receiver two as we navigate through some of the bye weeks left. And the fact that now Cole Komet, you look at the place he scored on, right? Play action at the goal line, and it's a flip to a wide open Komet. Fields runs so well, that play is going to be there. Cole Komet could easily yeah. score five or six touchdowns the rest of the year, and it would be because of the play calling. It would be because of Justin Fields being such a threat as a runner that teams have to be afraid of that, be petrified of that all the time. And now that they've had some success, and, and again, I, I don't want to bury the lead. I don't want Miami Dolphin fans mad at me. You have every right to be excited, too. <laughs> I, mean, I think they they nailed their hire at head coach. I thought Tua played very well today. And Hill and Waddle is just unfair to, to throw that yeah. much speed into that. And we've made this point before, and, and, and you can speak to it better than probably anybody in the industry. Tyreek Hill isn't like some guy who runs nine routes and like calls it a day. He's a technician. He can threaten every strata of the field. And he finally got back in the end zone today and on, on kind of a cheap designed, you know, um, let's get a touchdown to Tyreek touchdown. He's another guy who could explode for in touchdowns at any point. But, but the way they're using him with the with the targets and everything, it's just they're really fun to watch. And it, it's just good to see Tua after what he went through the first quarter of the season. He had the concussion issue and then what you know they brought him back in that game. Should they have done that? And then it kind of became a flashpoint. They had to play their backup quarterbacks. I'm just glad Miami can spread their wings now. And, and here's two young quarterbacks that we really weren't sure what to think of. And look, there's going to be speed bumps along the way. The NFL's like that. You know, everything can be totally different in a week or two. Who knows? But I'm just so glad that we can look at these offenses and, and look at them optimistically. And even though I did watch every snap of this game, I might treat myself. It might be the first game I rewatch tomorrow yeah. just because I enjoyed it so much. Yeah, I wouldn't blame you for that one, man. I mean, these two teams are really fun. And it's a great point about these quarterbacks that were kind of you know on the ropes a little bit at times i mean Tua certainly has taken punch after punch after punch from from a lot of media observers but obviously look i know he plays playing with the most dynamic receiver duo in the nfl i mean i think you could argue maybe this guy this guy is a better combo than tyree kill and jalen waddle but there is no like coverage changing duo quite like these two i mean the amount of space that Tua has to work with and you could even just see it today just watch it on broadcast obviously it's more apparent um you know on, on all 22 and, and stuff like that where you chart in these guys or whatever but like the amount of space he has to work with but also the amount like the, the the way he's just completely fearless and will like rifle balls into you know down the middle of the field like down the kind of danger zone where interceptions might happen and stuff like that but he just got such a clean run out for him so these passing games um feel really good right now I do want to just hit on the backfield for Miami as well from just a pure fantasy angle, because, you know, this was kind of like Raheem Mostert's show when it was just Raheem Mostert and Chase Edmonds. It's really not that way anymore. Jeff Wilson actually outsnapped Raheem Mostert in this game, 50.9% of the snaps for Jeff Wilson, 45.3% for um, Raheem Mostert. Pretty equal in terms of uh, overall touches. 12 for Wilson, 9 for Mostert. Jeff Wilson a little bit more involved in the passing game than Raheem Mostert. That does make this, like, Hey, everything else about this game, great for fantasy. That's the one that's like, ooh, that's going to be a little bit tighter going forward. Like, if you want to start Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson is absolutely now, like, made this a committee backfield here. Yeah, it shows the advantage of when you make a trade for somebody who's already familiar with your scheme, with your coaching staff. So it's not like, okay, ho, what's your name, Jeff? What do you like to do? What you know, what plays are in your wheelhouse? So it, it, made, it was really smart to get somebody who the coaching staff already had familiarity with. And when you were talking about Miami's receivers. You know, I, I was starting to think, okay, what if I, what duo, what, who else around the league has two guys that can match up with it? Obviously, when the Bengals are healthy, 
with their two receivers, you could consider them. You could take two of the Philadelphia pass catchers, which which can include three different guys. AJ Brown is just an absolute behemoth, and you know Goddard is so is so good, and Devonta Smith, of course. And the Niners have so much talent. But if you just said I have to pick two receivers, and I'm not letting you use any tight ends, I'm not letting you use any running backs. I don't think you could do any better than the Miami guys right now. I, I would have to put them at the top. With all due respect to A.J. Brown, is just ridiculous. And you know, we won't talk about them today because they played on Thursday and the Niners are off this week. It'll be fun to see what Shanahan has cooked up after the bye week. But I wasn't sure what to expect when Tyreek Hill changed teams. And obviously, you leave Patrick Mahomes. Any other quarterback's going to be a downgrade because Mahomes is the best freaking quarterback in the league. But yeah. um, Tyreek Tyre Hill right now, if, if I'm redrafting, he's my number one receiver. I, I don't even think I'd hesitate mm-hmm. on that. Yeah, I think I'm with you uh, as well. I mean, and I think he's got an argument to just straight up be the best pure receiver in football, which I think he obviously had an argument for that coming into this year. But look, you're going to do it now with a guy like Tua. And again, no, no shade to Tua, but it's just, you know, Patrick Mahomes is still better than Tua. I think we can all, like, all reasonable folks out there can agree with that. Um, now you're doing it with a guy like this in a totally different system and, like, very different, some some different ways, honestly, too, for Tyree Kill, uh, just the way he's being used. I, I think that it just goes to show you, I think he does have an argument to be the best receiver in football. All right, l- slightly, slightly less exciting game here, Scott, uh, for our next one. Chargers 20, Falcons 17. A lot of, like, they real both teams were in pure, you know, falconing and chargering, uh, as the internet likes to call it there at the end. Our buddy Austin Eckler fumbles a ball uh, as they're going to get the, the the game-winning field goal. The Falcons pick it up, fumble it on the return. The Chargers get it back. They get back into field goal range. They win the game. I mean, unbelievable. But what stood out to me in this game um, was, look, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's just the fact that they have too many injuries, but the Chargers to come in and just get run on right away when you know that's what the Falcons are going to do and the Falcons able to build an early lead doing that. Like, dude, it, it's just th- this team is just not as good as it should be. And again, I know they've suffered a lot of injuries, but that was pretty disheartening from a Chargers standpoint. Cordero Patterson gets back in this game and the reports coming into it was oh he's going to be limited he was kind of limited right like this backfield was mostly split three ways but he looks great in his return scores two touchdowns and I think is like firmly in the circle of trust going forward yeah I mean he converts the two touchdowns which takes a 13 for 44 day and makes he comes out smelling like a rose where if he doesn't have those touchdowns you'd be like oh I wish I hadn't played him but Algier had a good game yeah I'm kind of wondering how the Falcons lost this game because they ran the ball we know Atlanta runs the ball well we know the Chargers had one of the worst run defenses in the NFL. That's why I had the the Falcons as one of my picks. And and you 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 said it so well that Eckler fumble to which the Falcons subsequently fumbled downfield. It was just cl- classic chargering and falconing at the same time. You know the Chargers don't want to win the game. No, the Falcons don't want to win the game. Well, somebody has to win the game. It's it's going to be the Chargers. But um, not a lot. I was surprised this game was actually as high up in the rundown as it was. I was giving producer John a a little bit good natured ribbing about that because. You did look. You played Joshua Palmer. You get 106 yards. You'll take it. If you were really desperate, you had to play DeAndre Carter. You got five catches for 53 yards. You know, if if you're if you set the bar low enough, maybe you cleared it. You know, I mean, he it's better than a zero. He he beat Khalif Raymond. You know, good good for you. But 
Herbert doesn't look right to me. There's no downfield threat in this Chargers offense. As we talked about, they can't stop the run. Eckler's great. He gets the two touchdowns. I'm not even sure that that fumble should have been a fumble. His knee may have been down on that play. I'm I'm not going to give you any Austin Eckler shade, but I thought Everett was a disappointment in this game. We're used to Kyle Pitts and Drake London disappointment because the Falcons just don't want to play to their strengths. Uh, They don't throw the ball a lot, and when they do throw it, they have such a wide passing tree that it's like nobody even gets more than two or three catches. Um, I thought this was more of a frustrating fantasy game than anything. I am glad that one league I did have to play Patterson and I got bailed out by the two touchdowns. I would think Patterson looked healthy enough that this goes back to like maybe 60% Patterson, you know, 65% Patterson, 30% Algier, maybe 15, 20% Huntley, a little Mariota sprinkled in. So Patterson goes back to being a very solid running back two, maybe even a lower running back one. You could play him with confidence, but there are not a lot of confident plays on either one of these offenses right now. Eckler's great. Patterson healthy is great. Kyle Pitts, I feel like, is a weekly problem. Every week, people are trying to talk themselves into, is it Pitts or Taysom Hill? Is it Pitts or Gerald Everett? Is it Pitts or, you know, one of the Patriot guys? Now Cole Komet's probably going to – somebody's going to ask us Cole Komet or Kyle Pitts next week. As much as it's going to make me want to throw up, I'm going to be like, you know what? I can see Cole Komet scoring a touchdown. I can't really see that with Kyle Pitts. So that's kind of what the Falcons have become. They they run the ball well on everybody, but they have two dynamic guys on the outside, and neither one of them gets utilized week to week. Yeah, and there were plays in this game because I did um, watch an awful lot of it. It was on my second screen, just uh, (laughs) by no choice of my own. Just was the options. It was either them or the Raiders, and we'll get to the Raiders later. Um, But, you know, there were a lot of opportunities, at least two or three, where – Kyle Pitts was open downfield and Mariota just missed him by this much. And I think that's the problem. Like there's not a big margin for error because of how, um, how not often this team passes and Marcus Mariota just, he's going to have a lot of errors. There needs to be a bigger margin for error. And there's just not at this point. So I think there's a lot of problems in Atlanta, just from a passing game standpoint, everybody knows that I agree with you. I agree with your sentiments about Kyle Pitts. Like if you have a viable alternative, Great. Like, you should feel pretty good about that. Like, Isaiah Likely, we talked about that a ton on FFL. And look, I don't know what Isaiah Likely is going to do on Monday night, but I would have felt more confident putting Isaiah Likely out there than Kyle Pitts. Um, yeah, I expect to see Cordero Patterson kind of back in the captain's chair of this backfield. My thing with uh, Herbert uh, right now is just that I I think he's trending closer to being like 100% healthy. He might not be, but that's really how they got back in this game was just some several really good plays by Justin Herbert. But man, like, Compared to the conversation we just had about Tua, where he's getting to like getting to kind of live life on easy street, everything with the the Chargers offense and especially the passing game just feels like they're having to do it on hard mode because of the injuries, but also like the structure of the offense exacerbates all the problems that these skill position guys, you know, kind of bring to the table, whether it's DeAndre Carter, who's, you know, a mistake prone player, Josh Palmer, who I think is probably like an average three at the very best, like Gerald Everett, another mistake prone player. So there's a lot of problems in the LA chargers passing game right now, but we knew that was going to be the case. Let's move on here. Um, Scott, we got to talk about the frustrating games, right? Like even, if, even if it's uh, not fun for us, but that's why, that's why the people are out there listening to you, Scott, is they're like, Scott, help me unpack this very messy, messy picture. Uh, you're trying to introduce the Lions and the Packers, right? Well, the Detroit Correct. Carnival man, I, I guess has, <laughs> I guess has left. Aaron Rodgers, you know, um, so so Kevin Smith just released Clerks three, and and the the tagline to Clerks one or the, the original Clerks was was Dante Hicks constantly saying, you know, I'm not even supposed to be here today, and just bemoaning how everything has gone wrong and, and how unhappy he is being 
a clerk at the quick stop. And then that's Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers looks like he'd rather be anywhere but playing football with the Green Bay Packers with this bunch of jabroni. Oh, Alan Lazard made a couple of plays today, had a nice touchdown yeah. catch, took his helmet off for some reason. I, I don't know why he did that. You know, did he, thankfully he didn't get the DJ Moore scholarship for that. Lazard's a nice player, but he's playing out of position. I mean, he's playing up yeah. in, you know, on the depth chart more than he should be. Aaron Jones leaves in this game. The Lions are supposed to be the worst defense in football, or if, if you want to be charitable, one of the two or three worst defenses in football. And I know they they have some high draft picks who showed up. Ukota played play pretty well today. Hutchinson had interception, although that was more of a bad throw by Rodgers. I just look at Aaron Rodgers as a guy who just doesn't – I don't think he – not that he's not trying or anything, but he looks so defeated. His body language is so awful. And yeah, for once – I mean, look – I grew up in New England, so I, I, I'm not a born and bred Lions fan, but I've lived in the Detroit area for 20 years. And I always want the Lions to win because I just feel like people are happier when the Lions win. People have so low expectation for the Lions. And whenever there's a questionable call, they always expect the Lions to get screwed and everything. And usually when the Lions are ahead in a game, they went for it late in fourth down. Maybe they could have punted it. Green Bay gets the ball back. And I think it's the whole thing is like, I've seen this movie before, you know, the killer's never dead. He's hiding under the bed. He's going to, you know, destroy the lions and they'll be miserable again. And I thought to myself, I've watched 58 minutes of this game. I've watched Green Bay's offense look like garbage. I don't think they're going to score for like the first time in like 10 years. I had faith that the lions would close out a game against an inner circle hall of fame quarterback. And that really is because the Green Bay Packers offense is just broken. You can, you know, Rogers in a full season has never been worse than quarterback nine. He was quarterback 18 entering this game. He was a lot of start-sit questions. A lot of people are like, well, I got to play Rodgers, right? It's against the Lions. If he didn't do it against Detroit, when? You have my yeah. permission to drop Aaron Rodgers. You have my permission to ignore Aaron Rodgers. Because if it's not going to happen here, and there's nobody to drag him, especially if Aaron Jones is hurt for any length of time, right? You think of all the other quarterbacks that we like, okay? I I can say nice things about Tua, but he's being dragged by Tyreek Hill. He's being dragged by Jalen Waddell. You need somebody to make a play for you once in a while. This offense doesn't have it. Yeah, totally agree. And, you know, Rodgers uh, on the McAfee show a few weeks ago, and obviously the quote made the rounds, but he said the whole guys who are making too many mistakes shouldn't be playing. Got to start cutting some reps. Maybe guys who aren't playing, maybe give them a chance. That was a confusing quote at the time, and it looks worse now, obviously, after a mistake laden game from Aaron Rodgers, because this, this was another one I got to watch a lot of. And I mean, I was just peak choices by me today, by the way, um, you know, a lot of the like those interceptions, those are on him, man. Like the the one to to Torre where like he could have laid it out a little more. That's like a that's a vintage Rogers throw that and like at the height of his powers, he lays that into. Doesn't matter who's on the other end, he doesn't do it. Um, a lot of missed opportunities. The timing's off. Um, the ball placement is bad from Rogers. Obviously, you laid off all the 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 body language stuff. That's really bad as well. The weird thing about the quote to me at the time for Rogers was he's talking about like. Guys who aren't playing, maybe give them a chance. Like who? That's even more like who are you talking about than the who are the guys making mistakes? Because like there are no reinforcements coming on this roster. And now Scott, you mentioned Aaron Jones in a walking boat boot. Romeo Dobbs, who was like everybody's kind of favorite for the guy Rogers might have been talking about in that quote. He left the stadium in a walking boot as well. He was carted off earlier in this game. So now it's like a house of cards is already tumbling at this point because that's what this offense was. It was a unit that was like not made to withstand a lot of, um, a lot of injuries. And now it's, it's withstanding those injuries to the point that I, I think it's just done. Like the Packers are done like as a team this year, as an offense that we should be even remotely interested in fantasy. Like I, I know that 
like AJ Dillon, if, if Aaron Jones misses time, like it'll be, Oh, this is the time for AJ Dillon. I'm just not sure. Like what the, like what juice is left to squeeze at this point? Like even if AJ Dillon takes the starting job, man, is he looked bad all season and you know, Rogers targeted 12 players today. I mean, he's like a guy at the track who's just at the teller window, just shouting out numbers at this point. You know, he's just trying to bet on every horse because he wants to cash a winning ticket. Rogers is scrambling for any kind of answer. You know, again, it's cute that they, they threw David back to Aria, you know, a throwback pass at the goal line didn't work out. So they're trying everything. You know, Degura had five catches today. I mean, they went for all of 41 yards. You know, again, Lazard on a good team would be a three. He's their yeah. de facto number one. I don't know what's been wrong with Dylan. I know the line play hasn't been great, but AJ Dylan's been one of the major disappointments. Can't fault injuries on that. And this is five losses in a row for the Packers. I, you know, I know it's it's hard because the monster's never dead. The monster is dead. If you're in a if you're in a dynasty league, AFC uh, NFC North, Justin Fields is the guy you want. It's not Aaron Rodgers. It's not Kirk Cousins, who by the way has played very poorly this year. He's having his yeah. worst season as a starter, and we know it's not Jared Goff. And, and look, I know Fields threw for 4.3 yards per attempt or whatever it was, but um, the Rodgers thing is over, man. I, I don't see how they fix it. On the Detroit side, they get a win, but man, where's the fantasy juice, right? I mean, <laughs> St. Brown didn't have a huge game. You know, at least Swift, you know, got through the game. Jamal Williams had most of the volume. This is not the Detroit Lions we were promised. We were promised they would lose fun, entertaining, high-scoring games. Today they lost a low-scoring, boring game. They won. I'm sorry. They won a low-scoring, boring game. But the Detroit Carnival that they have packed up, the tilt the world's been packed up. You know, all, all the plugs have been put in. You know, all the safety hazards have been tucked away. The cotton candy and popcorn have been sold out. Detroit Lions Carnival's dead. Yeah, I mean that's gonna happen though. Like when your defense gets three turnovers and especially sometimes like brings it into a short field situation, like guys just aren't gonna pop in fantasy. But I do think from an offensive standpoint, like this team is certainly taking a step back. And I agree with you. The carnival is officially canceled. Um, let's move on to the next game here: Jaguars twenty-seven, Raiders twenty. Man, um, Devonte Adams ten catches, uh, one hundred forty-six yards, two touchdowns. That was his first half. It was also how he ended the game as well. I mean, that was another one. It's like, man, you know, Devontae Adams looks like he's about to have a Joe Mixon type of game. And, hey, if you have Devontae Adams on your fantasy team, like, you're not allowed to complain about the second half. Like, you, you're you good after the first half. You, we, we're, we're not helping you anymore, okay? You're fine. But strange result there for the Raiders who, um, man, it, like, they're, they're in a tough spot just as a team overall. But Adams gets right, but that's about all the good you can say uh, for the Raiders. Meanwhile, Jacksonville, you know, their guys, the guys we count on there did come to play today. Yeah, the only thing that, that hurt you at Jacksonville is Evan Ingram did do a lot. He left this game with an injury, only had one catch. But you know, ETN, every fantasy analyst has, you know, we've all been elbowing each other in the ribs trying to prove that we like ETN more than the guy next to us. I mean, look, whatever. He's a top six, <laughs> top eight, top ten back. You pick whatever number feels right to you. We're, we're, we're done fielding ETN questions. He's the right answer. Christian Kirk, really nice to see him have a strong game. And this is the crispest I've seen Trevor Lawrence play in a while. Mm -hmm. I thought he was decisive. I thought he was accurate. He augmented his game with some running, which I always felt like was part of his game, but wasn't really getting used at the NFL level. So just nice to see Jacksonville look like a professional team. You know, I heard it said on the broadcast, I never would have guessed this, into today, they actually love the NFL in first downs. I know first downs are, you know, they're an old school stat. It's not a metric, really. But it just goes to show you, and I know in football outsiders, they've been ranked far ahead of their record all season. I, I think maybe there's untapped upside to Jacksonville. Obviously, the connective tissue there is Trevor Lawrence. So it's just nice to see him play a good game. 
on the flip side, look, Devontae Adams was was sick the previous week at New Orleans. Maybe he shouldn't have even played. You, know, you can judge by the the way he did play that day that he, maybe he didn't play at all. The Raiders didn't even get the 200 yards. I just sleep better at night knowing Devontae Adams is back to being Devontae Adams. I mean, he was maybe wide receiver seven or eight before the this week. The season hadn't been that bad. It's just been a slight disappointment. It's not like some of the other guys on this team. Waller's had a lost season. Hunter Renfro looks yeah. like a you know, like a, a wide receiver five on his own team, let alone for fantasy. He's the guy you can cut. Jacobs is going to have games like this. We know his production is always very heavily skewed to when the Raiders win. At least in a bad game, he's still at 87 total yards. He gets some work in the passing game. That's fine. But... I just sleep better at night knowing Devontae Adams is like one of the five best receivers on the planet. And then he looked like it today. I know it all came in the first half and you didn't get it in the second half. I feel not at all bad for <laughs> Adams managers because you had a huge day anyway. So so he didn't finish the job the way, you know, he didn't get the enter, enter the fields and mixing conversation as one of the fantasy leads of the day. But I'm just glad at least they have him unlocked. That's all I want with the Raiders passing game. I've given up on Hunter Renfro. I've given up on their tight ends at this point. You know, I keep waiting for Foster Moreau to, to sneak in like DFS relevance when Waller doesn't play, it never happens. But I need Devonte Adams. I need some things to set my watch by, and at least we can for this week we can get back to having you know the, the watch be on the right time of day. Yeah, they shouldn't be this bad in the passing game, but they are this bad in the passing game, and it's pretty much been that way from start to finish this year. And you know, yeah, I talked about it with uh, with Dalton this week, like how Devonte Adams uh, is so low in yards per target, yards per route run, kind of confirming. Like, by the way, those are quarterback and offensive ecosystem stats as uh, uh, pretty, I think, more than wide receivers because Adams has been great this year. Like, he's been very, very good. I don't think he's been any worse than he has been in his last two years in Green Bay. Just the circumstances are really terrible. I, I saw this stat from CBS, which is just hilarious. 17 plus point blown leads by the Raiders in franchise history, 1960 to 2021, five times. First eight games this year, three times. Wow. Tough, tough year for the Las Vegas Raiders and I'm, Josh McDaniels in his return to head. Coaching. I'm almost glad that John Madden isn't around to see this, man. Or, you know, or Al Davis isn't, isn't around to see this. The, the proud. Raiders. I I still think they should be in Oakland. I don't know. It just it just feels weird that the Las Vegas Raiders. But you know, I, I thought Derek Carr was going to be a pretty safe play this year too for fantasy. Like you know, super flex, yeah, or if too. you want cheaper quarterback, and he's getting screened by the fact that you know so many name brand quarterbacks are having horrible seasons. You know the, the Rogers tier and the Brady tier and Russell Wilson, who thankfully didn't have a game. Thankfully, my TV was. Free of, of of a standalone Se um, Seahawks Broncos game this week, I thought for sure somehow they'd, they'd squeeze one in. They'd play a scrimmage or something, and you know uh, CBS would pick it up. But for the late window, but Derek Carr's been a, a huge wrong answer too. I just hopefully if if you didn't ha if you had Carr and he was letting you down, I, I hope you got Geno Smith or I hope you got Justin Fields or something like that because it's been a year where we haven't had that many right answers at the quarterback position, and certainly Carr has not been one of them. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and just one last thing on the Raiders, too. It's like I think they're, they're a great example of, you know, that pass catching group, the skill position group in general with Josh Jacobs with the way he's playing this year. Like, that's an awesome, awesome group. Right. Like, and I obviously they've suffered injuries. Renfro has been banged up at times. Waller is, you know, like you said, a lost season with injuries, but their defense stinks. Their offensive line is terrible. And those two things alone are like enough to drag you down, especially um, when you have injuries at the one thing that you're supposed to be good at. So that's just an example of why um, it's a team game. Patriots 26 Colts, three Colts, three 
three points from the Sam Ellinger Indianapolis Colts, Scott. Um, I'm writing about this in my care, don't care column. I rarely like to put an entire team in the don't care section. I think we're going to go ahead and put the Colts in the don't care section there because what they rolled out there today was just, I mean, that was laughable. Like that was a non-serious operation. And this is kind of the problem with them coming out and saying, Oh, Sam Ellinger is going to start the rest of the year. Like, are you sure? Are you sure about that? Are you sure he's going to start the rest of the year? Because this is not some like I, this. I've said this since the day the, the the move got announced. Like, this is not some upstart, you know, second round pick with a ton of that, a ton of talent. Like, he's a limited skill player who was a sixth round pick. Sam Ellinger like they're they're not turning to like a even like a Malik Willis who's playing on Sunday Night Football like and Malik Willis got flaws in his game but like he was a third round pick that's got some real real skills Sam Ellinger like I'm not trying to be mean to the guy but he just doesn't bring anything to the table and it shows and there's just too many guys that can make plays on this Colts roster even if they have injuries and the offensive line is a huge problem too many guys on this offense that can make plays for it to for them to roll out a non-serious operation like they did today. Yeah, I mean, Willis certainly is possible upside. I, I think with with the Ellinger doesn't. I think what the Colts are doing is they're not playing Ryan because they don't want to pay him any more than they have to, and there are certain contract incentives that he's not going to make now that he's not starting. And I think the Colts are looking at this quarterback draft. And, and look, I mean, a, a draft can can be loaded with you know first round quarterback talent. Doesn't mean it's going to be a great draft. And we saw that two years ago. I don't, I don't know what's going to come of that draft. And it was just so nice today that like Fields and Lawrence played reasonably well, so we can start feeling a little bit better about that. We may never know about Trey Lance. We need that guy to have a healthy season. But the Colts, I, I think the Colts are like this season's over. This season's lost. Yeah. Let's play Elnger. Let's not pay Ryan. And I apologize. I gave out Dion. I thought Dion Jackson was going to be really safe for volume. And he, he probably was before he got hurt with a lower body injury, but he was going nowhere. The Patriots stuffed him into a pretzel. In fact, when the Patriots scored a touchdown to get to 12 points and there's a speculation, should they go for one, go for two? I'm like, well, just kick the extra point because 13 points is going to win this game. There's no yeah. way the Colts, you know, you just, you don't need it to, to run away from the Colts. This game is so over. And what are the Patriots doing? They are managing Mac Jones. They are hiding Mac Jones. Ramondre Stevenson to me is is terrific. Really nice touchdown catch. He never great the greatest oh, game yeah. today. The Colts defense is actually playing pretty well, but the Patriots nine sacks. Nick Folk is just they're they're not all that efficient around the the, the red area. Nick Folk is getting all sorts of field goals, and it's the Patriots are going to be a team that they're going to beat lesser competition. They're going to have trouble picking off better teams. Actually, the Patriots just next week will be a very interesting game, but mm. um, you can't really play. I, Jacoby Myers is okay. He had a key fumble today. We'll see if they put him in fumble jail for that. I have no idea what to expect from Mac Jones. I don't think the Patriots want games to be decided on Mac Jones's arm. I think they really do like their defense. This was a game. I, I felt like this game probably ended like 40 minutes before all the other games because the Colts couldn't do anything. And once the Patriots get up by two scores, they're like, okay, this game's over. Let's just not give it back. And there's no way we're going to lose. So, I, you know, I, I don't know. What what do you do? Do you just say Michael Pittman? Sorry. Alec Pierce? Sorry. All the, do you just write off the Colts completely? You said care, don't care. Don't care about the Colts offense. I think that's a fair take. And, you know, Jonathan Taylor, man, there's the problem with Jonathan Taylor. If, if they have truly given up on the season, they're never going to say it in public. But what does that mean? That means you don't rush Jonathan Taylor back. That means you take your time with Taylor. That means maybe Taylor is week to week. And then week 12, they say week 13, they say, you know what? I, I don't think he's playing again this year because at that point, they're so far out of the playoff race. They have no plausible upside. I saw people trading Jonathan. Somebody asked me this week if they should trade Jonathan Taylor for... 
Donta Foreman and like a kind of a marginal receiver. I said, I think you have to do that. And Foreman did nothing today, but yeah. I don't know when Taylor's coming back. I, I think the ship is going down and I think the Colts know it. Yeah, man, I'm, I kind of go back and forth on whether they actually feel that way for a couple of reasons, because, you know, after the game, Quentin Nelson was really given, you know, given the offensive line and himself a lot of heat, like for how this has gone and look, deservedly. So that offensive line is one of the biggest disappointments in the entire NFL. Like if that offensive line is playing like it did the previous two seasons, um, we're not having this conversation like this. Matt Ryan is still starting like Matt Ryan is, you know, he might not be great. He might not be the best version of what we thought we might get out of Matt Ryan, but he's certainly not. We're not talking about Sam Ellinger. Let's just put it that way. Um, But, you know, they have 30, they've given up 35 sacks on the season in nine games. Um, that's like, I think, I, I think I saw someone say it was like too shy of this, the collective high under like the last two years for the Colts. It's insane what's going on on that level. But like, if, if they're really giving up on the season, Scott, like they're going to just going to lose out. Like are Chris Ballard and Frank Wright going to be coming back next year? Or have they already been told like, no, you guys are toast. So just play out the strength. That's the thing that doesn't make any sense to me because if they're going to like this team certainly just needed to draft a young quarterback and start figuring out. But like it's only week nine. Like, are they really going to play out the string with this Ellinger character the rest of the way? Because like, I think you're going to get guys like veterans on the offensive line, like Michael Pittman, like, you know, I mean, Alec Pierce, the rookie, but like, you know, even Jonathan Taylor when he's back, like guys on the defense being like, what are we doing here? Like they're going to just lose the entire locker room very fast. But I don't know. Maybe that's all part of the owner's design design here. I have no idea. I'm trying to think of an organization we generally respected that's had to change course of quarterback as often as the Colts have ever since Luck retired. And to be fair, the Luck retirement came totally out of nowhere. He retired right before the yeah, season. Insane. And, and I have no problem with that. I mean, look, it, you know, the moment you don't want to play football anymore or if you can get out while you can still have a, a regular quality of life i mean i'm all for that the irony is that andrew luck got beaten up by a horrible offensive line his entire career and the moment they finally had an offensive line that could protect him is when luck said my body's taking too much i can't do this anymore but then it's been Brissett, it's been rivers it's been wentz it's been ryan now they're you know they're doing this this ellinger thing and they're going to draft a quarterback next year their starting quarterback is not on the roster for for next year it'll probably be one of the first round quarterbacks i would think Again, they're going into the right draft pool for that. But it feels like a team, I used to always say with the Colts, I always felt like their two through 53 was one of the best in the NFL, but they didn't have the one. They didn't have the quarterback solved. I don't know how good, maybe I've been overrating that two through 53. I've been playing that card a lot for the Chargers too. And then once I got Justin Herbert, I said, okay, here we go. Super Bowl, you know, it's not going to happen there either. But it's just weird to see a team like the Colts who they're in a weak division. They're always going to be one of the, quasi favorites in that division and and yet i don't think they're anywhere close to really building anything because they don't have the quarterback situation figured out now granted that, that puts them in a big bucket in the nfl how many teams don't how many teams don't like their quarterback room right now i mean with yeah 24 of them you know i mean like probably seven or eight teams are like yeah we got the quarterback thing figured out not many do but it's um the Colts are a hard watch and i, I guess michael Pittman, man he's I, i'm benching him next week and you yeah, know, guys like true. Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce, I don't think they're rosterable anymore. God, it stinks. Uh, it stinks. All right, we need to take a quick break while I recover from that disappointment. When we come back, we have a big upset to talk about. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. 
Tommy and JJ discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right, Scott, Jets 20, Bills 17, huge upset in this AFC matchup here. And the Jets, you know, if, if they had like a league average quarterback, I would think they could go deep in the playoffs. This defense has swagger, has playmakers on all three levels. They play with so much attitude. Garrett Wilson doesn't care that Zach Wilson doesn't know what he's doing. Garrett Wilson was a grown-ass man today. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. They have two backs to complement each other. I, I think the Jets, even when the Jets were down 14-3 in this game, I feel like they thought they could win. And the only Bills who showed up on offense were, were Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs. It, was, it wasn't a good Singletary game. Gabe Davis didn't do much. He, he probably should have caught a, a pass on one of the final drives. You know, Dawson Knox is just a the guy. They, this, was, this didn't feel fluky at all. I, I don't know how the Jets were like 12-point underdogs in this game. Yeah, Buffalo's good. Buffalo's really good. And this wasn't their best day. I get it. And I, I'm going to give them a pass. I, I still think they're the best team in the AFC. We're recording before Kansas City plays tonight. We'll see what they do. But this this means to me, I, I do not want to play the Jets if I'm an NFL contender. Because this team is hits punches you in the mouth. And Sauce Gardner, man, this guy, it's unfair to be as athletic as he is and as tall as he is and to have arms that like reach the sky as this guy. Uh, and yeah. I, I give Diggs credit for having a good game anyway. And I don't know how often Diggs and, and Gardner went up against each other. I look forward to watching this game a little bit deeper as the week goes on. But man, sauce Gardner might be already my favorite defensive player in the NFL. And the jets are fun. The, the, I wish they had, I would love to see Kirk Cousins on this team. I'd love to see just anybody, whoever the league average or slightly above league average quarterback is that you plug in. Not look, the Vikings are, are they're happy with their team and everything. I know they're cosmetically just a one-loss team. They're, they're not quite that good. But Zach Wilson's going to hold this team back. I still don't think Zach Wilson's a long-term answer, but what can you do? It's not like you're going to play Mike White or Joe Flacco and, and really go anywhere. You have to let Wilson play and take his lumps. But I love watching Garrett Wilson play. I love watching Sauce Gardner play. Michael Carter's a good football player. I thought Robinson made sense for them to add him. And, and just to see them punch the Bills in the mouth and say, you know what? We're beating you guys, and there's nothing fluky about it. And that final drive for Buffalo, I didn't expect the Bills to go down either. I, I talked about feeling like the Lions had this game put away. I felt even more confident that the Jets were going to salt this game away against Buffalo. And I think Buffalo is the best team in the AFC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I I agree. Like the Jets' defense, they got dudes over there. Um, Sauce wasn't like 100% matched up with Stefan Diggs or anything, but um, you know it. That, that that's okay. Like, that's fine. He had a great game uh, regardless, man. I mean, they have some good players there. And, and Zach Wilson, I'll give Zach Wilson credit. Like, it was a – there was definitely a scenario where he has that game against the Patriots, which was just an all-out, you know, stone-cold disaster. And he doesn't bounce back from it. This was, like, a reasonably clean bounce-back game for Zach Wilson. You know, it's not, the, it's not the best right now. We know what Zach Wilson is, but – like there was a there was a chance that his like season goes down the drain completely and like we're talking about Mike White or Joe Flacco or whatever in a few weeks like this was an okay bounce back from that and yeah I'm so glad you mentioned Garrett Wilson Scott because dude that guy is so so good 
Um, he's a full blown wide receiver one. And I know the Elijah Moore thing has been extremely frustrating this year. You know, he doesn't get a target again today. Um, he's behind Denzel Mims and snaps and routes and all that stuff. A bunch of guys on the jets catch a pass. Uh, not, not, uh, not Elijah Moore. Very frustrating. It definitely reminds me a little bit of like the Brandon Ayuk situation last year, gets himself in the doghouse and obviously similar coaching tree. And we'll just like, we know it's a good player, but we just have to completely like forget about him for right now. But Garrett Wilson, deserves to be like at the center stage here for for the Jets because 20 targets 231 yards since week seven and he's been more impressive on film than like his stats would indicate somehow he just gets open effortlessly you know at the beginning of the year Scott he was like a guy that was kind of playing in the slot in the Joe Flacco offense, but he's lined up outside on 71% of his snaps the last three weeks, and he's been better on the perimeter. Um, I feel like Garrett Wilson has graduated to being like an every week start and like might be out of the start sit question, Scott. Keeper League, would you be more excited about Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave, the two Ohio State guys? Damn you, Scott. Damn you. Because uh, someone asked me that t- that question on Twitter, and I was like, ah, total toss-up, like complete toss-up. Oh, I don't know, man. That's really tough. Uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with Chris Olave just because I because well, I mean, they, they're both in mysterious situations. So that does that's kind of a wash talent wise. Totally even. I'm going to go with Chris Olave, though, just because I liked him a touch, a touch better as a prospect uh, from a route running standpoint, from a technique standpoint. He's been everything I thought he'd be and more coming to the NFL. But man, there's a part of me that's like Garrett Wilson. He's a little freakier after the catch. He's got a little bit of like Kadarius Tony vibes after the catch, and that does give me pause there. That's funny because Wilson reminds me. I'm I'm so reluctant to throw this comp out because AJ Brown is ridiculous. He reminds me a little bit of AJ Brown, man. He's just a freak. I think Olavi is an unbelievably talented player, but I I think Wilson might actually be just just that tiny shade above him, or maybe he's just a little bit more dynamic physically, where he knows he can just dominate defensive backs. I can I can totally hear you on that, and that is why it's a really not really a knock on Olave. Really I love Olave, yeah. and and you know for all I, for all we know, he may the Monday night special might be the Chris Olave show. What a great player he is! All I ask, New Orleans, New York Jets, find quarterbacks for these guys because I want to watch these guys be, do AJ Brown things and do Randy Moss things or do Andre Johnson things or whatever it is, you know. And uh, I don't know that's going to happen with Zach Wilson. I don't know that's going to happen with Andy Dalton. So I hope they can solve their quarterback rooms. But man, it was just fun to watch Garrett Wilson play today. I, again, there's so much swagger on this team, man. I this Jets, I can't wait to watch the Jets and Patriots. Belichick made Zach Wilson's life miserable just a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But the Jets right now are like, okay, we beat Buffalo next. You know, okay, grudge match with the Patriots. These teams absolutely loathe each other. Uh, that's going to be much CTV. Must see. Much, much see. Must see. Watch I the would game. I'd love to see much of it. Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll see as much of it as they'll allow me. I got two more things on this game. Should have had should have had this game much higher on the outline, Scott. That's bad podcasting by me. Two more things. One, we do have to keep an eye on Josh Allen, who did like tweak his elbow a little bit. He said after the game, it's fine. He'll play through it. A little bit of pain, whatever. But something we're gonna have to keep an eye on. Never love to see quarterback dealing with an elbow injury. And last thing, um, are we are we allowed to have a, D- a Gabe Davis conversation again? Because all the Gabe Davis bros, you know, after the. Three catch, 37 yards against Miami. The one catch for 13 yards against the Ravens. It's, oh, he's, he's not healthy. He's not healthy. He's not healthy. Like, target share doesn't matter. Remember, target share doesn't matter for, for the Bills offense. Well, uh, he went three, 171 and two against the, the Steelers. 374 and one uh, against the Chiefs. Since then, two catches, 35 yards. Two catches, 33 yards against the Packers and the Jets. Like, 
I know the analysis is, well, you know what type of upside is on your bench if you bench Gabe Davis. But, like, he's had one league-winning, like, week-winning type of game, two really good games against the Chiefs and the Rams in the opener, and then the rest have all been duds. Yeah, I posted his weekly uh, wide receiver finish log on Twitter earlier this week, and it was like, you know, 17, 58, 1, 47, 62, 21, now, part of that speaks to, and of course, he's missed some time. He didn't play every game. Part of that speaks to what we always talk about, receivers, the variance position. You have to live with some of that. But I don't think, I think his target high for the season is just like seven or eight. I mean, he's he's not getting peppered. He's not, he's not a priority. Whenever this team scores a touchdown, you expect it was Diggs or Allen, right? And I think he goes down as, is he killing your season? No. But I think he's been a disappointment. And I think we have to, it's fair to call him that. It's fair to say what, you know, Gabe Davis, we thought you were capable of more. Maybe that big playoff game against Kansas City was more noise than signal. I think it's fair to ask that question right now. I I think it's fair to be disappointed in Gabe Davis. And you may have teams. Maybe you drafted, you know, one of those Seattle guys were really a lot cheaper than they should have been. You know, maybe you hit on somebody. Maybe you hit on Olave or Garrett Wilson. So next week, I, I might play Garrett Wilson over Gabe Davis. I think that's perfectly totally in play. Totally reasonable. And I, the reason I think it's worth talking about is, yeah, we know receivers of variance position. Gabe Davis is an extremely high variance player. Like, he's good at ripping it down the field, and he's good at winning contested situations, but he's not very good at anything else. And I think that the limitations there um, certainly show up in his box score. All right, let's move on. Had a lot to say about that game. Oh, man. Joe Mixon had a lot to say about the folks who were calling him a disappointment so far this year. Bengals 42, Panthers 21, no, LOL, Panthers 21. Give me a break. We saw Baker Mayfield in this game. P.J. Walker, stone cold disaster, three for 10, two interceptions, nine passing yards, nine passing yards for P.J. Walker. But yeah, Joe Mixon, the story of this one, 22 carries, 153 yards, four rushing touchdowns, uh, four for five as a receiver for 58 yards, and another touchdown. Sometimes positive regression comes through in Costco style, just pure bulk. And that's what happened here with Joe Mixon. This is a pretty nifty trick. Joe Mixon in Yahoo half point PPR, which are standard scoring, didn't have a 20 point game. And then in the first half, he had the best fantasy game of the year, including (laughs) everybody. He beat every other fantasy score this season in a half of football against the Carolina defense that whatever, it's not the 85 bears or the 2003 bucks or whatever, but it's a respectable group. It's, it's played decent football The the Panthers have looked decent the last couple of games and Mixon just toyed with them. And I, I know a lot of the touchdown regression came in and granted some of these red zone carries he's been getting, he's beginning so many of them because he hasn't been converting them, but I give the Bengals credit. They look so bad against Cleveland short week turnaround and they absolutely beat the living snot out of Carolina. Now, unfortunately the Bengals would probably like to play right away. They, they're getting their bye week next week. They they probably would like to move that up. Let's bring the Steelers in next week. Let's, let's keep this thing rolling. But I don't, I don't know what to make of Mixon Cause he, look, he, no, but you're not as good as you are on your best day. You're not as bad as you are on your worst day. I guess the volume safe, this line play, just when I think it's the offensive line I can trust, then it plays like it did against Cleveland, but then it plays like it did today. Burrow, he was good. Uh, This game got lopsided so quickly. I'd like to erase everything I wrote about P.J. Walker. I thought he was saving (laughs) D.J. Moore's season. And then P.J. Walker went back to, you know, it was basically the Cinderella story, right? I mean, it turned midnight and he turned into a pumpkin. 
And and we needed Baker Mayfield to come in the second half to actually put some points on the board for Carolina. So DJ Moore had a, had a washout game and Dante Foreman had a washout game. And a lot of people probably played those guys. I played more everywhere I could. If I had Foreman, I would have been playing him everywhere I could. This game was over at halftime. But it was just a matter of how much were they going to give Mixon? How, did they want to go for a six touchdown, go for a record and everything? Going forward, I still think Mixon's more of a volume play than an efficiency play. He's a guy who benefits from a narrow usage target tree offense that's going to be in the red zone a lot and he's probably like running back 11 going forward if you could i your league's smarter than this and you're probably not gonna get away with this but this would be a good time to probably trade joe mixon doesn't play next week just had the best game he's ever going to have so if you're you have a team that's maybe four and five or five and four and you really need to win it might not be the, the worst time to just get it out there that he's available but um you know fun game fun half I'm more worried about Carolina because I thought they were yeah. off, off the restricted list. I thought DJ Moore was back in our lives. I thought Dante Foreman was going to be somebody. We, you know, no Chuba Hubbard, right? I mean, he's going to have all the touches he can handle. Apparently, that was seven carries. And we need competent quarterback play. I, I guess we we got to stick a fork in P.J. Walker. I mean, it's not like the Bengals are any great team on defense. He looked awful. A lot of injuries in the secondary, too. They're both their like, starting cornerbacks were, were hurting this right, game. Right, right. There's a lot of talent missing in that secondary, including one guy who's going to go to the Pro Bowl. I, I admit it. I thought P.J. Walker was good for D.J. Moore. Now it's like, I don't know what to do with D.J. Moore anymore. I thought we were done with the D.J. Moore discussion. Now we have to reopen it. I know, man. And I feel like, hey, let me just say this. Like, uh, Lord Podcast video team, you guys cut like a D.J. Moore segment out of this podcast, I feel like, at least three or four times a week. We don't need no more of that, okay? No, we don't want our D.J. Moore takes on video on Twitter. Yes, no, let's hide no, those. Hide those. No video. No D.J. Moore videos because we don't want to hear it after this game. That's for sure. Man, and um, I agree with you. I bought into the good vibes of P.J. Walker, too. This is still a really bad football team, and P.J. Walker is still like an XFL quarterback, okay? I mean, he has some more talent, I think, than people give him credit for uh but at the same time like he is he's a he's a backup level quarterback that has had disaster games like this before like he's gotten into games before and been really really bad cut, so cut and paste just, that comment because i think we're going to use it again for another quarterback who i thought was yes, saving a receiver i was worried yes. about i mean i yeah. think the exact <laughs> sentence will apply it literally down to the xfl part it will apply one silver lining out of this game and i know it came Late, obviously, with a different quarterback than we expected. But um, I do want to just spotlight Terrace Marshall, who over the last three weeks has run a route on 97.8% of the team dropbacks. And, you know, Terrace Marshall is a guy that I've talked about had one of the worst seasons in reception perception history last year as a rookie. I mean, second worst success rate versus man coverage I've ever charted uh, ahead of only the great Justin Hunter. You remember him? Titans, Justin Tennessee, Hunter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so really bad rookie season. But I think the way that they have... Taking him out of the slot, which was a really bad fit for him. I know he played like college slot receiver, but he needs to be doing stuff like he did today. Run go routes is the outside receiver and catch contested balls. Like that's a good, least bright spot for a team like Carolina that all the good vibes they had a couple of like in these last couple of weeks. That's nice and all. You're still a terrible team that needs to draft a quarterback early to get back on track. Okay. Like let's not lose any, let's not lose sight of the main mission here. So Terrace Marshall, maybe a bright spot for this team in the future. Um, he probably got some folks out of a bye week. I know some folks that had to play him in, in like a bye week jam. So that's just a guy worth highlighting on a terrible day for the Carolina. They Panthers. have a short turnaround. Uh, they play the Falcons on Thursday. Do you think they have to go back to Baker? God, I hope not, man. Um, I hope not. I, I think I don't think they have to go back to Baker. I think you can roll PJ Walker out there one more time. Um, but I, I look. I think we'll see Sam Darnold before the end of the season, Scott. Like, I, I mean, there's a chance maybe Sam Darnold starts that game, don't you think? 
I mean, at this point, I'd take Jake, Jake DeLome if he's still around. You know, can, uh, okay, don't push it. <laughs> DeLome, do a courtesy phone, please. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, don't. Uh, I wouldn't go that far. Um, last we saw of Jake DeLome in a Panthers uniform, not a fun year. Uh, Vikings 20. Fran- let me say, franchise great, though. Shout out to Jake DeLome. I don't mean to, I don't mean to uh, bemoan the great Jake DeLome. I don't that expect those words from lifetime Carolina Panthers fan Matt Harmon. Oh God, a former a former fan for life. I, I know you've you've since traded on that fandom. Are you a fan of anybody now? Do you does, let me ask you this? Does any team? This is how I how I measure fandom. You're a fan of something if you're sad when that team does poorly. You're sad when they lose. You know, like like I root for the University of Michigan hockey team. I'm sad when they lose. I I root for the Bryant um, University basketball team. I'm sad when they lose. Is there an NFL team that you're sad when they lose or even just an offense or a defense that you're sad when it performs poorly? Uh, no, there's just a lot of receivers, obviously, that I root for because I get okay. invested in those guys because I watch I watch so much of them. Sure. Um, the Allen Robinson yeah. problem. Yes, I'm sad. I'm sad about the Rams. We'll talk about that later. That's for sure. But no, there's no team that really sparks like a lot of emotion when they when they lose or, you know, even when they win. Uh, honestly, there are just certain guys and even players that aren't, you know, receivers that i root for as well so yeah that's kind of where i where my fandom stands uh vikings 20 commander 17 you mentioned it about taylor heineke i tweeted out during the game you know the the clip from uh the avengers where you know thanos says you couldn't live with your failure where did that bring you back to me it's like that's taylor heineke you know they always try whenever they try to replace him where do your failures bring you right back to me baby a lot of good vibes around taylor taylor heineke they crash in this game (laughs) Yeah, my reference would be a little bit older. I'd go to Lester Bangs in Almost Famous where he said, you know, the article's a think piece about a mid-level quarterback who's struggling with his own limitations in the harsh face of stardom. (laughs) The the Commanders, what a stupid nickname. Everybody hates that nickname. Go back to football team. They had this game as one of my picks. I had to settle for a push. Hey, that's a $7 billion franchise you're talking about there, Scott. Also, you know what? I actually would have liked these uniforms if they didn't have the stupid bars on the back of the uniforms that were framing the players' names. I, mean, I don't know. They look like, kind of like CYO uniforms or whatever. But it's a little weird, yeah. Somebody on Twitter, I wish I could remember who said this, uh, said a couple weeks ago that it looks like every Taylor Heineke pass is a, like a potential pick six. Yeah. And I get that, right? Even the touchdown pass to Curtis Samuel was an, oh, no, he's triple covered. <laughs> uh, except all the Minnesota Vikings you know, somehow stumbled into each other, Keystone Cops, and then they didn't a ref, touch Samuel. A ref knocked one of the guy, one of yeah, the guys barreling to a ref. Beautiful. <laughs> Um, but I thought we could feel better about McLaurin. He didn't have a washout game today, but Heineke was scattershot. Washington gave the game away. The backfield didn't do much. I, you know, you know, I, I thought maybe with McKissick out of the way that, that Gibson would be pretty easy to play. Robinson would be pretty easy to play. They were both disappointments today. And Minnesota keeps winning, man. I mean, it's nice that Justin yeah. Jefferson was back in the box and you know, they were probably get a carry today, you get a 13 targets. He should have double digit targets every game. And they did more with TJ Hawkinson. I apologize if you asked me a Hawkinson question today. I probably steered you away from him. I wasn't sure what was realistic. I certainly didn't see nine for 70 right out of the box. And I'm afraid that Heineke, yeah, he, he's still going to pepper the ball to, to McLaurin, which is a good idea. But maybe I, I took the win over Indianapolis to mean more than it did. And maybe this is just another team that's that's six and 11 or seven and 10 that you, you really can't take all that seriously. Yeah, I mean, they they were chanting his name in the stadium today, like Taylor Heineke. The, the team clearly, like his teammates clearly love him. His teammates clearly believe in him. Like, and and the fans like him. And the the problem is though, games like this, you know, the mistakes that he made that literally threw the game away, like 
that's going to eventually get you back into Carson Wentz zone or the um, Sam Howell zone. I think he's a poor man's Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think Fitzpatrick is actually 100% is a headier player. They probably have similar, you know, physical gifts. I mean, how do he belongs in the league? I actually think he's a really good backup. It's just, you don't want to, it's that donut tire. You don't, you want to go 50 yards to a service station. You don't want to drive cross country with it. Right. And too many times <laughs> the commanders or the football team or whatever the hell they are, they've had to drive cross country or at least like halfway. They've at least had to try to try to do the drive I did one time uh, going all the way from L.A. to Oklahoma, my sister's house. They've had to make that uh, they've had to make that drive um, all in one sprint there with Taylor Heineke. Not a good thing. You don't want to do that. Uh, but, yeah, he is a good backup and, and certainly belongs in the league. I mean, he's better. He's better than P.J. Walker. I'd, I'd have said that even coming into this coming into this week on the Viking side. Glad you say like Kirk cousins. I don't think is having that great of a season, but look, they keep winning. And I I still think Kirk like could eventually figure it out, which is kind of what makes this team a little bit dangerous to me is that like they're winning games and they're not playing their best offensively. Despite the fact that, you know, Justin Jefferson comes out with seven, one fifty five in his first receiving touchdown since week one, you know, TJ Hawkinson looks fully integrated. Dalvin cook finds the end zone uh, through the air. You know, if Kirk suddenly does start, kicking it into high gear like this is a team I think that could go on a little bit of a run and they are like pretty nicely concentrated from a fantasy standpoint as well it was exciting to see Hawkinson this good right away I mean in a year where we're starved at tight end he's probably a top six tight end going forward he's a guy he's a guy now 100%. that if you have Hawkinson you you're not you're not asking I'm not going to be fielding Hawkinson questions next week because he's too good you have to play him Seahawks 31 Cardinals 21 unbelievable that we got uh you know, the, the these four teams, these two teams and the Bucks and the Rams, like easily the best quarterback and the most watchable team is the Seattle Seahawks with Geno Smith. Yeah, you know, all week I was trying to figure out what the trick was. Why was Arizona favored? What does Arizona do better than Seattle? And then I saw, well, nothing. No, they don't do anything better than Seattle. Seattle runs it better. They throw it better. They're better coached. Um, Seattle's a, a playoff team. They're, they're going to win that division and so concentrated for fantasy. Kenneth Walker... I've been seeing this question a lot this week. Is Kenneth Walker the number one running back in fantasy keeper leagues? And I think he might be because it's, it's a position be. you got to go young at. Taylor's had a lost season. There's so many running backs in that 28, 26 to 28 year old zone where you just worry that, you know, at any point the, the bottom could drop out. And, you know, Walker has not been a zero in the passing game. He's, he's never going to be Christian McCaffrey, but he can at least throw it to him a little bit. Man, what grown ass man ass run and that second touchdown when they yeah. need to salt the game away and work clock the only thing if, if anything they they move the ball too efficiently but love the way gino's playing love the fact that the two receivers you, you set your watch on those guys Noah Fant at least is good enough that when you give him a horrible defense that can't cover the seam like arizona he was good enough to, <laughs> to come through i know a lot of it was on one catch but awesome so awesome catch and run though that was that was a hell of a play you know what i want to see so next week seattle plays tampa bay and what I want to see, I know they won't do this, oh but what I want to see for the promos of this game is a huge picture of Geno Smith. Seattle comes to Munich, you know, also appearing, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, <laughs> Tom Brady, <laughs> Leonard Fournette, Mike Mike Evans, you know. But I, I want I want this to be about Geno. I want this to be about Kenneth Walker. I want this to be about Pete Carroll. I want this to be about Metcalf and, and, and Lockett. You know, this is a fun football team. And I thought they were going to be terrible. I thought they, first week of the season, I thought Denver would win 33-6 to six or something like that. I was streaming the Broncos defense in that game. It just shows you what a snow grow bleed this is. And Geno Smith, man, he's smart. 
He's got an arm that he can throw every throw you need him to throw, and he's seen everything. And this is a guy, you know, his career, second-round pick. He gets punched by a teammate. He breaks his jaw. Everything fell poorly for him. I feel like you, if you simulated his career a thousand times, there would have been at least a hundred times where he's like a really solid pro, like, like a Kirk Cousins mm-hmm. kind of career where he's respected the whole time. I, I love the Seahawks team, man. And I, and I love that I have some Walker. There's a team I was willing to give up on a month ago that has Ken Walker, it has Stevenson, and it has Damian Pierce. I thought my team was terrible. And now wow. I'm thinking, if I'm in the playoffs, man, you are you're you don't want to play me. You know, I'm, I'm kind of like the Jets. In fact, I, I'm kind of like the Jets in that my quarterbacks aren't that great. But that's okay. <laughs> that team's dangerous. Arizona, man, look, you know, it's funny. Hopkins get off to a hot start. Hopkins is great. Don't get me wrong. But I'm like, do we have to have this DeAndre Hopkins victory lap every week? Oh, you you, you drafted him and you waited six weeks and now he's great. By the way, I, I don't know when Hopkins left the stadium because he did nothing after the first quarter. It's not really his fault, though. Uh, Murray is is running like a chicken with his head cut off. Cliff Kingsbury is going to be the Alabama offense coordinator next year, the year after that. The running game predictably went, you know, just about nowhere. They gave yeah. up on it pretty quickly. If not for a defensive touchdown, this would have been a blowout. Seattle's a good football team. Arizona's not. Yeah, yeah, you can play Rondell Moore. You can play Zach Ertz. I mean, you, there's not depth at those positions. And Hopkins will be will be fine. He only had one quarter in this game. But I don't trust Connor at all. I don't trust Eno Benjamin at all. I don't trust Kyler Murray at this point. I know he had a couple of, a couple of runs today. But Arizona, 7-0 and last year, right? They're the worst. They're the team that I thought Seattle was going to be. They're the team that has to start over. I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is here next year. Just gave him a contract extension, though. Just gave him and the GM contract sunk extension. Cost. What's the sunk cost, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. We'll see how much billionaires like uh, paying people who aren't who aren't working for him. We'll see. Um, but Gino, uh, just to close it on Gino, because I think he is like one of the stories of the season and certainly the story of this game. There was a quote from the from the broadcast of the sideline report. I'm sorry. I can't remember who was exactly doing that game. Um, and she said that Pete Carroll told her that People gave up on G. I'm paraphrasing, but people gave up on Gino because of the person he was. We believed in him because of the person he was. Um, so, and I think that's a really fair statement of of Gino's career. Like he's a guy who people were just were really hard on, and he certainly has had his his bad moments in the NFL. But it's crazy that this is really his like best chance, and it's come this late in his career. And it's almost kind of sad. Like I wonder what what good we could have gotten out of Gino. He just was you know playing in a mess in New York, and then he kind of became the the centerpiece of that like Eli Manning, Ben McAdoo thing in New York. And then he kind of hides in obscurity with the Raiders and the, or the chargers for a while. And, you know, now we're finally getting Geno. And I loved how Geno Smith threw that pick six and came right back. And just this, this team went to win. Like it didn't, it did not matter. That was like, there's always going to be moments with a guy like Geno where you're like, Oh no, like, is this the, is this where it ha- is this where the, the, the Cinderella story ends? Is this where he turns back into a pumpkin? And like, it hasn't happened for Geno. And I don't think it's going to this year. Yeah, I'm at that point now. He's full circle of trust. I'd be very surprised if Geno Smith lost his way, unless they don't have a deep receiver group. You know, they they can't really take an injury there. That could maybe put them off script. But Ken Walker, let's talk Ken Walker seasonal. How many backs would you take over him? It's a short list, man. That is a great question. Um, Guys, I think I would definitely take over Ken Walker. Chris McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, and Saquon Barkley, I think are... I think I would take them ahead of him. Henry too. Henry too. He's playing right now, obviously. But yeah, then you get into a conversation with like Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook, and like I, I think I'd rather have Ken Walker than than Dalvin Cook for sure. What about Nick Chubb? Like he he's kind of the guy. I think I don't know. I'd have, I'd have that conversation with myself. I think I lean Chubb, but I wouldn't begrudge anybody who wanted Walker. 
Uh, Dalvin Cook, Josh Jacobs, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, any of those guys, you know, you, you'd rather have I'm taking Walker rather have over all, the, Walker. Over yeah, all those too. guys. Plus, there's some other risk with Alvin Kamara that we, we don't know for sure that yeah, he's, gonna, sure. he's not going to be suspended. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. There's been some video released. I'm not a, a lawyer. I'm not going to pretend to be one. But anyway, the bottom line is this. I, I'm not here to denigrate other guys. Wheels up, arrows up. Just, you know, Ken, Ken Walker. The great thing, one thing that makes a running back great is when the opposing team knows you're coming and they can't stop it. And Arizona knew Ken Walker was coming in the end of that game and they couldn't stop it. Do you do any dynasty rankings, Scott? I don't. I do receiver dynasty rankings, and that's hard enough. I could not imagine how hard it is to publish dynasty rankings uh, on on running backs. Like, I mean, because I agree with you. Like, Walker has a conversation to be the number one running back in dynasty, but it's like the next rookie is going to have that. That we're going to have that conversation about him the next year. Like, right. by this that, time, that's it's, what it's it all is. It's position. all about. It's you have to skew young in dynasty at running back. I mean, you, I think you have to skew young at running back in any format, but especially in dynasty, it's all about once somebody hits 27, 28, you get to treat them like they're 40. And by the way, speaking of treating teams like they're 40, uh, <laughs> we've saved the, like Vanessa Williams yes. saying, we've saved the best for last. The LA Rams, the Tampa I'm Bay stalling, Buccaneers. I'm stalling. Don't make me talk about yeah, it. <laughs> it's, it's the last game in our rundown. And not just because it was the last game to finish, but because Cooper Cup was great. And Brady, after playing very poorly most of the day, had a nice comeback. Kate Otten made a couple of plays. Scotty Miller made a couple of plays. The Rams were in a very solvable defense that Brady has seen before. But man, what a mess. Godwin, mess. Uh, Mike Evans, mess. Uh, Rams offense, other than Cooper Cup, mess. I was happy for Brady. I, I, you know, he's been dumped on so much. I don't think it's all his fault, but he, you know, he looks like what he is right now an average player. Stafford still looks hurt. Allen Robinson just depresses me. Uh, Tyler Higby is basically on a milk carton now. You, you, you can drop him for I, I would drop Higby for whatever. Any tight end who who even slightly catches your eye. I mean, Cole Komet, fine, but it could be a lot of other guys too. I mean, just d- drop Tyler Higby. It's not working. It's not the Rams. It's I think Sean McVay's a great coach. I think McVay thought about leaving after the Super Bowl, and I think he wishes that he didn't come back. I think he's actually going to resign and take some time off and, and go on the beach and maybe do some announcing mm. or something consulting and enjoy being the, the player, the, the coach who's bandied about every time a good coaching vacancy opens, Sean McVay will be at the top of that list. I think he'll enjoy that. But at this team, they mortgage the future and flags fly forever. That banner will hang forever. It was worth it. But the Rams have so much infrastructure trouble right now. And so do the Bucs. I mean, I, it's just a game yeah. that really neither team really deserved to win. It's not like I'm high on Tampa Bay. I think Seattle should beat them next week. But for all the fantasy brand names in this game, uh, you, how many guys can you trust going forward? I, like, Cup and who else? I mean, I don't know. Mike Evans had some had some drops or like close misses in this game. If I told you, I'm going to tell you right now, Matt, okay? Cooper Cup's off the table. You could have anybody else on either one of these teams instantly transported to all of your fantasy rosters. Anyone you want. Who would you pick? I think it would be Evans. I still think it would be Mike Evans. Okay. And, and all right. That, but, then after, but then after that, it gets, I guess, Fournette. I guess. Godwin, Godwin looks slow. Fournette looks slow. Yeah, dude, God, Godwin's cooked. like, Godwin gets double-digit targets every week, and but they look strikingly close to like his air yards total. You know, he gets like 10 targets in this game. Seven but, like, for 36 on 10 targets, a long of nine. And this, 
And, you know, Brady does not want to hold the ball. He's that's, that's why all the more miraculous. They somehow drove down the field with no time because Brady doesn't, there's no chunk place on this offense. No, you're a hundred percent right there. There's not. And, um, oh my God, like I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. Last three weeks. Uh, yeah. Chris Godwin, 34 targets over the last three weeks. So that's double digits, 3.8 air yards, like per average per target, like not great. Uh, I, I, I was kind of joking about that, but um, it's it's a little bit close, a little bit close for comfort there. You wind up forgetting that Julio Jones is on this team. It's sad. It's sad. Uh, well, the only Julio time J- the only time you remember is when he comes out and like he maybe doesn't even get targeted. Maybe doesn't. But then the camera goes to him and he's like limping off field. It's what it, it's bad. It's like Randy Moss on the Titans. You, you just, yeah, we're going to forget it happened. We're going to forget yeah. five years from now. Whenever Julio Jones goes in the Hall of Fame, and he's an unbelievable player. He's one of my favorite receivers yeah. of all time and a walk-in Hall of Famer. He's he's already done it. But we're gonna remember we're gonna forget. Oh yeah, he played for the Buccaneers that one year and it went nowhere. You know, uh shout out to Matt Friedman who um you know stuck his stuck his neck out and had like a, a pretty hot what was regarded at the time as a hot take on Twitter. And I remember that because this was like it became like the center talking point on fantasy Twitter, which is like, come on guys, go outside, get a life. But um, like he tweeted out at one point, he's like hot take, like Julio Jones outscores Allen Robinson this year. And you know, he got a ton of crap for it. There are no winners in that debate. Like, okay. Like Julio Jones has been nothing. Um, Allen Robinson obviously has been nothing. And just, uh, you know, the, the thing with the, um, your point about Sean McVay and like him, you know, retire, you know, walking away, whatever, uh, you know, the way the way they're coaching right now, like they're co- they're coaching like they know their team sucks. This exact same sequence happens for the Rams multiple times per game every week. They'll get a promising play. Usually it's on a usually it's to Cooper Cup. Allen Robinson had a couple first ta- first downs in this game. That's the best I can say for Allen Robinson is he had a couple of first downs in this game. They'll have a promising play. It's immediately followed by a backbreaking second down sack. And then there's a third down play that is a total white flag wave. I mean, and again, it happens multiple times every week. Like their their third down flag waving playbook is wider and deeper than I could ever have imagined for a, this NFL team and really any, any NFL team. And Scott, the only thing that might be worse than that is their soft zone coverage. They play zone coverage. They're the only team that plays zone coverage on 90%, 90 plus percent of their snaps heading into this game. And Brady just picked him apart at the end of the game. It was it was a pathetic end of the game for the Rams, who, by the way, have been outscored 71 to 10 in the fourth quarter of the season. 71 to 10. I have to ask, is there any chance this Cade Otten game could be not that's going to be repeated, but could he get could he squeeze into that tight end 12, tight end 11, tight end 13 range? Uh, I think if I sat down and did rest of season rankings, I, I think he would end up kind of sticking around probably where I where I had him going into this game, which, you know, is like, I don't know, maybe 16, 17. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think there's too much going on in this offense for me to buy into, you know, buy into something like that. No. Yeah, I think you're right because one, it's not, there's not a big pie to, to split up. And two, you just expect the targets, the target share is going to go to other guys anyway. There's legacy players who are going to get fed before Auten. So yeah, I think he's probably stuck in that tight end purgatory where, you may have to play him the week you don't have a Mark Andrews like this week or something like that, but you really can't play him proactively. I, th- I think that's the right assessment. Well, that was a really, really depressing way to end a fun podcast, Scott, talking about the Rams like that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I came up with a coughing fit when you were talking about McVeigh, which I think is probably apropos that um, my body my body is giving out. You know, I only had, you know, some so, so many players players only have so many snaps in a game. You know, where they, they start cramping up and everything. I think I probably spoke as much as I have to me. That's all I have to give to you, fantasy Twitter, Yahoo Twitter, uh, Yahoo Fantasy players. I hope you had Joe Mixon today. I hope you had Devontae Adams for a half. You know, I hope you had Justin Fields, man. Man, was he fun. I hope you have the Miami receivers. Well, rest up, Scott, and everybody else enjoy those week nine victories. You can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can follow me at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. While you're there, go ahead and give a follow to at Yahoo Fantasy. Waiver Wire Royalty Andy Barons will be back tomorrow for what will undoubtedly be a very fun episode. I got a lot of fun uh, Treviso Babes updates coming on the podcast tomorrow. Until then, we are out. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.